All right, so we are back on the next episode of the Combat Subs podcast, and I want to thank my guest for joining me because he and I have had a hell of a time trying to connect. So I think we started talking in September, October, maybe somewhere in there. We had a date scheduled, and then I got jury duty, uh, and it wasn't like a one afternoon jury duty. It was like three-week jury duty uh, that I was on. Then he hurt his back and was in the hospital, so we couldn't do it. Then we had to reschedule a couple of times. There was a, a horse emergency, one of them. So uh, I definitely want to say, Kent, man, thanks for coming on. I'm glad we could connect. Yeah, man. It's, uh, it's nice to finally make it work. For sure. So for those of you that are watching uh, on video, you probably have re can recognize my, uh, my guest. Those of you that are listening in, you probably have heard his voice. You're like, where the hell do I know this guy from? So... <laughs> At some point, you were on YouTube and you punched in how to do some kind of jujitsu move, Ezekiel, <laughs> heel hook, something like that. And either yeah. the first one that popped up or as you were watching video, something popped up and there was a guy and he was wearing a camouflage gi or he was wearing a tie-dye hoodie or a combination of the two. You're like, what the hell is going on with this guy? So Kent is that guy. So he has the, uh, the super successful, you know, zombie proof BJJ YouTube channel as well. I just love jujitsu, man. Yeah. I uh, if I help anybody listening, yeah, I that's wicked. That's what I tried to do. Yeah, and so you know, just so you know about Kent, yeah, he's not just a YouTube personality. He actually doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. So uh, he's, only a little though, a little just bit, a little. Well, I just fake it all. I, look, you're damn good at faking it, so I'm cool with that. I actually only train like Krav Maga and Taekwondo, so the jujitsu. I just do it for YouTube. Perfect. Well, as long as you get like your chops in there or like the Jojo <laughs> yeah. life guy where you do like the chi pushes, you'll be good. Oh, dude, I'm, I'm a professional at that shit. <laughs> but but Kent, uh, for real, he, he's being very modest, but he, he's a black belt in jujitsu and in judo, right? Yeah. All right. And something kind of interesting is, like I said, he has a very successful YouTube channel. Um, I think part of the reason why he has to wear a hoodie underneath his gi is because of where he lives. So he lives on Cape Breton Island. The first question I have for you is where the hell is that? Where the hell is that? Oh, are we allowed to curse him during this? Yeah, go for it. Okay, good. Um, Cape Breton's the east coast of Canada. So we're a little island right on the Atlantic. Like it's actually an island. Unfortunately, we don't have like island living. It's, it's fucking cold as shit here. So <laughs> yeah, uh, that's kind of why my jujitsu is how it is. Cause we didn't have a jujitsu club here. So I just started learning my own. Like, I've only had an instructor for about three months total. Everything else is just made up YouTube bullshit. So, like, you didn't do Gracie University or anything like that? Like, you literally just watched YouTube instructionals? Yeah, well, I think it was, like, kind of pre-popularity of YouTube. Like, one of the reasons that I'm one of the YouTube guys is because there wasn't many YouTube guys when I started. Do you know what I mean? So, like, yeah. I didn't have a lot of people that I could really go to. So, for me, man, I clipped stuff out of magazines i had to order books at bookstores like the gracie books and the machado books and then when dvds became popular like marcelo garcia's dvd ryan hall uh, eduardo Tellis is one of the first ones i ever owned so like it just it wasn't easy not having an instructor but i really wouldn't change a thing because now that i know how bad my back was for all this time like i wasn't going to make much of a competitor anyway but this helps me with my coaching because i have to be like extra critical of all the moves and positions as I'm learning, right? So and my teaching, I find, is better because of it. 
So when you were doing that, did you find somebody else to be your grappling dummy or did you have to like makeshift a stuffed animal with a gi and all that? I mean, we all use stuffed animals at one point or another, but no, I'm lucky where um, a lot of my friends, I grew up in like a rough area. So a lot of my friends wanted to fight. They all wanted to be MMA superstars and shit. So when I said, hey, come on over, we'll pull out some cardboard and beat each other up in the backyard. Everybody was always for it. The hardest part was talking them into actually drilling stuff instead of just like rolling. Yeah. So, you know, like pulling out a DVD, my, hooking my laptop up and being like, okay, we're going to rep this technique 10 times. Like, fuck, man, just let me roll. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I guess the good news is nothing really changes because even when you have a partner, they're like, dude, I don't want to like practice getting up and grabbing a Kimura. I just, let's just spar. Let's go for it. Oh, hey, listen, as a coach, for anybody who's listening, your coach is watching. And if you're the type of person who fucking rolls or drills and then just like stops drilling before everyone else, you're probably not going to get any fucking stripes. There you go. So more great advice from Kent. Uh, make also, sure you're doing watch your drills. that, man. We watch whoever the first person done drilling is, and then we don't pay any attention to, the, to them for the rest of the day, ever. I, I'm not going to lie. I was guilty of that, especially early in my career. Because, you know, everybody you're learning. Was, everybody yeah. was. I, I mean, was too. It's, it's fun to choke people. You're like, I just want to practice choking people. Not like, all right, I have to actually get up and then, you know, throw my arm over this way and I get know, my leg I here. I was that guy in judo. I'm sure my instructor in judo hated me. <laughs> all right. So it, which one do you think is harder, jiu-jitsu or judo? I, it really depends, man. Like, um, I think judo is harder on the body overall. Like I think the uh, the entering is hard on the knees. The lifting and twisting can be potentially hard on the back. And there's more likelihood of things going wrong when you have a resisting opponent and you're standing going to the ground. Now, landing and stuff, it's not that bad, really. It isn't. I've been thrown pretty fucking hard. Typically, most injuries in judo happen like during... I want to use like inertia, you know, like when an object starts going, it just yeah. keeps going. So like my back, my knees, it's, I don't, I don't have the body for judo anymore, but I can still do jujitsu. So I have to say jujitsu or judo is harder. All right. So as we know a lot, maybe even most jujitsu guys suck at takedowns. <laughs> <laughs> so what tips or, you know, like easy takedowns do you have to be like, all right, any idiot can do these couple couple of things to use. I got you, bro. I got you. We have this, uh, we have a flow drill at Zombie Proof that we call the, the basic game plan. And all it is is a distance low single. So it's a John Smith low single. You can just Google John Smith low single. The dude was famous for low singles. You're just shooting a really low below the knee single from whatever distance you can make it really. And then it's a leg drag into side control into an Americana. And that's the game plan that we teach all of our beginners if they want to compete. Can, and a lot of our guys have went into competitions and won with that game plan. I actually had a blue belt, Andrew Hussey, went in and he tapped a brown belt with that game plan. There we go. All right. So takedowns do John work. Smith low single. Just there Google go. that. You'll, you'll be good. Do, do a low single leg. You'll be, uh, you'll be good to go, even if you're afraid of doing takedowns. Yeah, well, I pull guard, man. I'm, I'm not even a stand-up guy that much anymore. Like, I, I love judo, and we have a really good judo instructor here, but – or not judo, I mean wrestling. We have a really good wrestling instructor here, but even that, like, where I just got back surgery, I'm still not really able to 
to do it yet. Like I'm rolling again, but I'm not, I'm not able to do stand up yet. So let's talk a little bit more about that. So what did you do to your back? Uh, I'm an idiot. And in 2001, I thought I was a power lifter and I was showing off with my friends. We're at the gym and it's like, have you ever had a big injury and you remember the smells of the place? Like you remember the color of the walls. Like I remember sounds in the background. I, uh, I, I don't know, maybe that's just me and I'm a fucking weirdo, but I, I did like, I think I was on like set eight or nine and we were doing squats and I had three plates on each side and I did a set and everything was fine. And I was showing off. I was like, you know what? Fuck it. Put another plate on. So I bumped it up to four plates. And as I squatted down, my back just completely gave out. I folded forward. The doctor said if it wasn't for the safeties on the rack, I would have been like really fucked up. I tore a bunch of shit in my back. And uh, I didn't get surgery or anything because I was only a kid, right? It was 2001. And just recently, it started getting worse and worse and worse. And then it was about six or seven months ago, my sciatica was so bad. I've had sciatica for years, but um, my sciatica was so bad. Oh, can you still hear me? I just had a call there. Yeah, you're good. Yeah, okay, good. Sciatica was so bad, I just, I went in to see the surgeon. And when he took a look at my back, I have three completely empty discs and then one was leaked out on the side. So they did what's called the discectomy where they cut a hole in my back, shave off a piece of the actual bone of the spine, and then they cut out all of the disc that was leaking out. And then they rescind it a little more so it won't leak out again. And uh, I was up and walking really quick. I would love to say I followed the doctor's orders, but like I didn't because my pain was completely gone. All I did listen to, I, I still don't lift anything over 10 pounds, but uh, I'm already rolling and it's been eight and a half weeks. Nice. So they didn't like do like those metal, like rolling no, discs no, or anything I, like that? I wouldn't, I wouldn't have got fusion. I can't do fusion. Um, I, I need the little mobility that I still have. Uh, eventually, when my discs fully leak out, they'll either fuse themselves or I'll have to get another surgery. Like, I don't know. I'm not a fucking surgeon, but all I know is right now I'm pain-free and I'm, I'm enjoying it. Awesome. So, you know, before you got hurt, how often were you rolling? Like not teaching, oh. just like you actually rolling. Oh, oh, my typical. And what I'm almost back to now, I train, like I do weights, but not like heavy weights anymore. I do weights three or four times a week and I roll five or six days a week for about three or four hours a day. Like between rolling and repping, like I, I like, I like rolling a lot. And then at your school, are you the only jujitsu instructor or do you have other guys to help you out? Oh, I'm lucky. I, I have a few guys like, see, we're a homegrown club. So a lot of our guys came right from scratch and I have a few brown belts that help. Um, we have one black belt that moved here and he, he was thinking about starting his own club, but then he came and tried ours and he loved it. So he helped with a lot of the classes and I got a few solid purples and a few solid blues. So when I was out, I didn't even come to the club for a full month. And I came back to new students, everything's still clean, everything's still running. So I'm, I'm very lucky in the regards where like, we are a big family. Like I know a lot of clubs say it, but like, I love my students, you know? And uh, I found out when I was off of back surgery, they, uh, they love me too. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's uh, that's awesome. Where you can you know take some time off and you know everything keeps running and rolling and all that. Yeah, I'm super lucky. So, how many students do you have? Uh, it's only like we're in a small area, right? So yeah. post Corona, 
we have about 65 total. And how many, how many live in Breton or Cape Breton Island? Uh, I'd have to Google Cape Breton, but our entire province is 971K, and okay. that's mainly in Halifax. So I'm in, uh, like, I'm in a smaller area. I don't know the exact number. I'll message you. I'll let you know. I can't right. remember. It's, it's not big, man. I had, like, 20 people in my class, like, all through school. Like, it, it's not a big place. Um, what was I able to say? Yeah, we have rules here, though. Like, uh, we're only allowed to have in groups of 25. So we're kind of like i can't even advertise to get more students right now because our classes are full so that's so we're talking in february of 21 right yeah so corona but, bullshit still yeah, going correct. here yes <laughs> so back in when were you guys you guys have to close down for a while and were you able to open yeah, up like man, in May, um, something like that I, yeah i i don't remember the exact date but i'm like i I don't know. Like, I don't want to sound like a fucking, like a holier than thou type of guy. But when I was told that this was going to be a bad virus, I have elderly parents. Well, not elderly. Fuckers are like 65, but they think they're old. Uh, my, my wife has, you know, like older parents. We didn't want to put anybody at risk. So me and my wife closed our business right when they said that it, things were going to get bad. Uh, the government turned out like it was only a week later. The government forced everybody to close anyway. Yeah. But I had made the decision to close a week before because I didn't want to put anybody at risk. And I mean, now that all the numbers are coming out, like I'm not by any fucking stretch of the imagination, like a non-believer, none of that shit. Like we vaccinate our kids. We're not fucking, you know, but we only have fucking, I think, two active cases here in the entire province of 971,000 people. Yeah, that's not really a reason to close anyone's business. It's not like I was almost... I don't want to say bankrupt, but I, man, I was fucking struggling for a few months and uh, my students, I messaged them. I was like, guys, listen, I'm still paying the rent. Uh, if you guys want to pay your dues, I'd take them and I'll just put them right into the rent. And uh, I'm, I'm lucky. Like most of my students did the ones that could afford it did. Right. Yeah. Um, but man, I, I thought I was fucked. And then like the government, they tell you that they're going to help. I was 1000 three hundred dollars off of qualifying for one of their fucking things uh in payroll i was that short like close to qualifying for it but then i made too much money for the one below it so i'm like stuck in the middle where the government gave me absolutely nothing no help and then they still called me to demand i pay taxes when i refused i just didn't pay my taxes last year uh, they they called me i think like 50 times before i finally said okay fine <laughs> Yeah, so you and most... Well, they go fuck themselves. They're not helping me. What the fuck? I live on a dirt motherfucking road. Give me some fucking money. Yeah, like you and, <laughs> you know, most guys that own jujitsu schools or jujitsu, you know, yeah, we got kinds fucked, of businesses, man. we all got screwed. Yeah, yeah, and as you said, as you look back, it, the, the numbers don't quite add up as It to doesn't the, warrant it. it the, really the response is way greater than the risk, for sure. More people in my island have committed suicide from COVID. What the yeah. fuck, man? When you guys came back, did you have to do some like bullshit rules initially where you were yeah. like, people are in like taped off squares. You can only have two partners at a time and that nonsense. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, we did. But um, like we have like the sign in and I have all the fucking stupid posters on the walls and I kept my doors locked. I'm considered a closed door business. So we 
we got away with some stuff there. Um, my guys have to knock before coming in. I still have it like that. Uh, we qualify as a sports team who is non-competition. So we're allowed having 25 people according to our government, but it's a big fucking gray area. Like, are you allowed having 25, including the parents on the sideline or 25 in the whole building? Cause I have like 4,000 square feet down here so I can fit a few people. You know, it's such a fucking gray area that I wouldn't even care if someone showed up to audit me because how are they going to fucking get me in trouble? We're a gym, you know, and the thing about jujitsu too, how many jujitsu people go out, go to jujitsu when they're sick? Like fucking none. Cause we all get mad at each other for that shit. Cause you know, we're you're like, this likely. you're like this far away from some other dude's face. Yeah, and so you're like, I'm not going to be a dickhead. likely to spread Corona. Cause none of us were willing to share shit with our friends. Yeah, it's at least it's. I mean, it's not good that you're going through the same nonsense, but we're going through the same bullshit here in the states too. So I yeah, understand. it fucking sucks, man. It sucks. I hope this is all over soon. Like I, uh, I thought I was gonna take a breakdown because March, March first was my ticket to go to Disney. Like my actual families, we were getting on a flight. It was the first time I had ever paid for the entire thing, like by myself. And uh, Disney closed because of Corona. And that was my, like, that was the vacation I needed because I'm a workaholic. I work way too fucking much. And I still haven't had a vacation since. And shit actually got harder because during Corona, uh, people weren't allowed going to the barn. So I had to brush and fucking look after all 40 horses with the wife. And that was such a pain in the dick. I don't even like horses. <laughs> and so, you know, when I was talking earlier in my intro, I mentioned there was a horse emergency. So yeah, the other day, Kent's wife got sick and he had to go take care of the horses. And as you just heard, that's one of his favorite things to do. Yeah, I love it so much. <laughs> cool. All right. So, so let's talk about something that's a little bit more fun. So back into jujitsu. So there's a, there's a video, I think you did it during the Corona lockdown where you're doing heel hooks on your daughter, like kind of sitting yeah. on the couch, right? Yeah. So a lot of people are afraid of them. So what tips do you have just for, you know, training them safely, getting into them, that sort of thing? Just do, do more of them. The reason people are afraid is because the typically when they happen, it's someone who knows how to do them versus someone who doesn't in a competition setting. And the person who doesn't know how to do them moves in such a way that they fucking hurt themselves. The person doing the heel hook, unless it's Paul Harris, isn't really causing all the damage like a lot of times especially uh and even some guys that know what they're doing like bj penn ryan hall uh, bj penn rolled the wrong way like he did most of the damage in that heel hook um a lot of times when i see heel hooks applied the person putting them on is fine even rotating with them it's not that it's dangerous it's that usually the person on the other end isn't responding the way they're supposed to in order to deal with it, right? And if you start rotating on a heel hook, and just like we talked about earlier, inertia takes over, by the time you're ready to tap, you're both still in motion and your knee isn't in motion anymore. You know, like the best way to get safe with heel hooks is just do them more. I teach heel hooks at white belt to all my white belts. They're not allowed rolling with them right away, but they learn them, they get the understanding of them. And then when they're rolling with an advanced person, they're allowed doing them during that role and they get the understanding because like if i'm rolling with someone i've had this happen a bunch 
I'll throw a helix on and they'll start rotating in the wrong direction. And I just stopped them. And I explained to them right there, this would have blown, this would have blown, and this would have happened. And that's like the best type of learning experience, realizing like I almost just blew my own knee. And then they won't do that same reaction, right? It's it's just exposure. Everything about helix is just exposure. The more you see them, the more comfortable you get. And that's just like everything, right? Yeah. And so are you like, are, do you do like catch and release kind of like Dean Lister does? Or do you guys like fully apply them in training? Oh, yeah. No, like it depends. Like um, I got one guy here. He's better than me at leg locks. He's the reason we started leg locking. And um, when we're rolling, we get it fully on and we try to tap each other out. But we've never hurt each other. And we're like rolling like we're it's fucking I should probably film it because we're fun to watch. But we'll get it fully locked on until you can't move anymore and then just hip into it. And none of us get hurt. You know, all of our best guys, we roll with heel hooks full steam. And there is I still think there's no heel hook injuries at the club here. We have toehold injuries. I had my foot broken with a toehold. One of my students had their foot broken with a toehold. Um, we've had knee bar injuries. We've had calf slicer injuries, but I don't think we've had helic injuries. So kind of going along that same topic. So what do you think about heel hooks and reaping now being allowed at black belt level in IBJJF? I love it. If, uh, if my back keeps up the way I think it does, I'm going to go compete this year. And have you competed before or like you just, because now you're feeling better, you feel like you're up for it. Yeah. I used to be a little more competitive. Um, I think my last, I don't know if I've competed since black belt because I've just progressively been getting worse and worse. Like I was told in 2013, I could have got surgery for my back. It was the first time I seen a surgeon. I probably could have got it before then, but the surgeon told me like, you know, your discs are mangled and he explained the surgery to me, but I wasn't comfortable getting the surgery because I didn't understand it. But now I do private lessons with a doctor and he's a pain clinic doctor. And he was like, bro, this surgery is fucking cut and dry. They go in, they cut out all of the disc that's pressing on your sciatic nerve and your pain is gone and the healing is really good for it. And because you're fit, you'll be like healed up in no time. And I mean, if he would have told me that in 2013, I probably would have had a competition career. But um, I competed in one IBJJF competition at Purple Belt. And then I did, I think like four or five competitions at Brown and two super fights. But I just... Man, like, I know it sounds like a fucking capo, but when you're in so much pain every single day, it's really hard to take anything other than the pain serious. So it was hard for me to get my diet right, hard for me to weight cut, hard for me to train hard, because my back was so bad that, dude, I'll show you, I'll, I'll show you pictures. Like, my back was literally fucking mangled to the point where the surgeon bumped me ahead of, like, 15 or 20 people on the list. And after he seen my MRI, the recent MRI, he got me in a week later. Like not to brag about injuries or nothing, but my back was like, fuck, fuck. That's the hard part, right? Is there's times where you're like, all right, I just need to suck it up and just, you know, kind of work through the pain. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to be a pussy. But then there's those other times where like, bro, you're really hurt. Like you need to <laughs> like I know, shut shit I down. Know. And, and that's what place. I was doing for years. Like a lot of my family members, actually, I mean, I don't know. I don't want them to sound like dicks, but a lot of my family members that always said, like, suck it up, when they seen their MRI and they seen, like, this disc's empty, this disc is leaked out on both sides and empty, and the one under it's empty, they were like, oh, I guess that's why you don't like shoveling snow. 
you know, like <laughs> they just kind of, they understood. And I think they instantly felt bad for me, you know, fuckers yeah. should have the whole time, but still, right. It's like, once you see like an actual medical thing saying like this dude's fucked, you're like, okay, well maybe I was a little hard. Yeah. So push it a little bit, right? Like if you're, if you feel like dog shit for a couple of days, all right, suck it up. And if it keeps going and going, all right, at least have somebody take a look at you. Yeah. Well, and I'm bad for that. Like, that's actually the reason that I wear hoodies. Like we joked about it earlier. So let me see if you can see this. So you see, oh no, you can't really see it. Just the way I'm sitting. You can see a little, I can see like a bump back there. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's my free floating collarbone. I tore my AC joint completely off the bone. And I didn't want to take any time off, so I just put a hoodie on and uh, just thought that that would, like, keep me warm during training, and then I'd be less likely to injure it more. And if it was only, like, a sprain, I would have probably taken some time off. But where I ripped it completely off, I was like, fuck, it can't get much worse. So I put a hoodie on and just trained like that for a few months and then just became a habit. All right. So, again, don't train <laughs> Don't train beyond it, right? Like, no, there, there is a practical yeah. limit. Don't, don't be People stupid. message me all the time. They're like, hey, man, like, what do I do about this injury? I'm like, I'm the fucking worst person to ask. Like, I've been training crippled for years. I broke my foot, didn't take any time off. I broke my finger, didn't take any time off. Like, I'm a fucking idiot. You should probably go ask it to someone else. Do you do any, like, rec like, recovery or pain management stuff, like acupuncture, chiropractor? I cry. I cry a lot. Like, when I go home, I just sit in my room alone and fucking cry. No, I don't. I should. I, I just recently started stretching because my back, I have to take the back problem serious because, like, if I get sciatica again, man, I'm fucking killing myself. Like, I can't do it ever again. It was too much pain. I, uh, and now that I know what it feels like to not be in pain after 19 years of pain, I'm never doing it again. So now I'm stretching every day. I'm doing uh, between 300 and 600 air squats every day. Like, uh, I'm man, I'm doing everything I can that they told me to do. It's the first time I'm taking an injury serious, which I probably should have been doing my whole fucking life, but I'm an idiot. So are you, do you do anything like cold immersion since you have, you have access to basically any water that's outside can be cold immersion for you? Yeah, the Atlantic Ocean's literally two minutes up the road from me. But no, I fucking hate the cold, bro. It's minus five here today, and I'm fucking done. I'm checked out. I'm ready to become an American citizen. I don't give a fuck who the president is. I want to move <laughs> to Florida or Texas. Yeah, so we, are, my wife and I are looking at moving to Florida or Texas. I'm assuming for somewhat the same reasons as you are. Yeah, bro. I hate the winter. I'm fucking done with it. And when you say minus five, that's in Celsius, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know what it is in fucking American, but the rest of the world, yeah, it's like three degrees below freezing. Yeah, so I don't know. It's minus 40-ish, somewhere in that neighborhood, Fahrenheit, so fucking cold. Yeah. All right. So, you know, when you're, you know, when it's that cold and you have to go to class, do you guys do like yeah. extra long warm-ups or anything like that? Or is it kind of the oh. standard cadence for a class? We're all used to it, man. Like, this is life here. We have winter, uh, I think it's like nine months of the year, because our fall is cold, our spring is still cold, because we got snow on the ground. So, like, we get three months of summer, and then the rest is just fucking cold. So, it, we're used to it. it like, it's, it's just normal. Yeah, so I was mentioning earlier, right? I think part of the reason why you train in a hoodie and a gi is because it is so damn cold, right? Yeah. But, right, that's probably how people know you is from your YouTube channel. So way back in the day when you first started, like, 
how did you like get a bug up your ass or what, what happened? You're like, yes, I'm going to start putting techniques on YouTube. Uh, honestly, like it was just bullshit. Like I just, uh, I thought growing my Instagram page and growing my YouTube and stuff would help me get more people at my club. Like it didn't have much to do with the rest of the world. So I was posting stuff just to try to get people to see it and be like, Oh fuck, maybe I'll go right down the street and try that club. And then, um, as people started like sharing my videos and reposting them and I'd get all this negative feedback and I realized like, I love this. I love this negative feedback because I was getting tips that I never would have got. Like if you put a video online and you're like, Hey, can you tell me what I did wrong? Everybody's going to be like, motherfucker, figure it out yourself. But if you put a video online and you're like, this is exactly what happened. People will be like, that's wrong that's wrong your foot's in the wrong spot you're gripping that way you're supposed to be doing this i fucking loved it i was learning so much for free that i just started putting more videos out and now every time someone like hates something about me i double down i'm gary v in the fuck out of it you don't like my shorts i'll wear shorter shorts you don't like my tie-dye i'll make fucking stupider tie-dye i just fuck people i don't know them i'm not accepting new friends so is it always regular people that are talking shit or do you ever get like famous jujitsu guys like Marcelo Garcia is like, bro, your guillotine is terrible. Like anything like no, that. No, but that would, that would be fucking awesome. That would no, be a big, and I would I've, be happy for him to give me tips on my guillotine. I know I'm doing I had Faraz Sahabi one time comment on one of my YouTube videos and he was like, I like this. And I was fucking blown away. I told my wife, she was sitting right next to me and I commented back. I was like, I know this is probably some kind of bot, but I'm like, pretty fucking shook for Asahabi just you know commented and he was like it's not a bot I like your channel and I was fucking I was floating on cloud nine for months man um I've had such good experience with messaging people and then messaging me back and giving me tips like uh, I messaged Gordon Ryan after his Keenan Cornelius match and I was like man when you were like pushing his hips when you were like two legs sweeping him or idiot sweeping as I call it why are you pushing the hips like I did a breakdown video and I pushed the hips personally. I've always pushed the hips and everybody's like, Oh, you should be pushing the knees. You're so stupid. Your technique is dumb. And I messaged Gordon. I was like, you push the hips every time. Why? He's like, I don't know. It worked. He messaged me right back. That dude's awesome. And he's so smart. And I know he plays like a dick sometimes online, but dude's awesome. He messaged me back every question I've ever messaged him. Yeah. I mean, that's one of his things is yes. He has that like persona that, you know, I think he, Part, he said it like he talks shit to get himself kind of amped up and, and ready for a competition, Works. but also like he really does yeah. engage with everybody. So yeah, while, while you're yeah. not supposed to like him, I like him too. I'm a massive fan. I think he's one of the best instructors out there. The way he teaches is so easy to learn. Uh, Craig Jones is also really good for messaging me. Um, I'm friends with Craig Jones' brother. So I talk to Craig Jones' brother a lot, but Craig Jones, every time I message him, he messages me back. And he was one of the first guys when my account got deleted that shared my new account and was like, Hey guys, follow Ken, which I thought was pretty cool. Cause you know, like it's, it's weird. Cause I'm like, I'm a fucking nobody from the middle of nowhere. And then like for people like that to follow me, like Carlos Condit follows me, you know, fucking insane. That is <laughs> like shit like that. just fucking blows my mind, man. Cause I really am. I'm just a guy who loves jujitsu and gives it away because I wish I had more free jujitsu when I was learning. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, we've been talking about, uh, you know, Gordon Ryan, you talked about Craig Jones. So what do you think about John Danaher? Oh, I think he's a genius. 
Uh, like he definitely breaks things down in such a way where if he's creating that many students at that high of a level with that much understanding of jujitsu, there has to be something to it. Like it, it is possible to get star students. I've done it. I've had just guys that come in off the street that are fucking amazing. But for the most part, if you get more than two people to do big things, the coach is probably the key, right? Like, and, and it, it, it has to be like the, uh, the coincidence is just too, it's too much, right? Like he has too many guys that are killing it. And then there becomes a point when, when the club is killing it, more good guys tend to migrate there. And then it just, you know, doubles down. Yeah. But, you know, for him to make that many people good, he's, he's definitely good. Um, have I watched many of his instructionals? Unfortunately, no. Um, I don't have an attention span for that. Like, I'm not really good at instructionals anyway. Most of the time I watch with the sound off. So it's, it, it, dude, and I'm not, like, this isn't a slight because I know these guys are head and shoulders better than me. Like, by a fucking, a lot. I just, I'm not big on long instructionals. That's why my videos are so short and to the point. I put out instructionals the way I, I need to learn them. I don't really need much talking. I just need to see the technique because when I'm watching videos, I watch your feet, then I watch your knees, then I watch your hips, then I watch your hands and I watch your elbows and I watch your shoulders and I watch your head. And I'll watch the same video over and over and over again until I can reproduce that exact movement. So it's humble brag. It's rare that I miss enough things that I need to listen to the words. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I'm not trying to brag. I'm really no, not. No, you're good. These guys are all so much better than me, but I'm not good at watching long instructionals. I just, I suck at it. I know. I've, I've tried. So I tried with the Gordon Ryan one and I tried with the Danaher one. And while they're both brilliant in very different ways and Danaher, yes. he's like the Yoda of jujitsu, right? Yeah, man, for sure. But it's just for him, like he turns what could be a sentence into like four paragraphs and yeah, I can't, I can't do it. I have a challenge with that too, where I'm like, bro, what the fuck are you trying to say? Like, yeah, just, man, I'll get lost in it. Like, it's just too long for me. I just can't do it. Right. Cause I have ADHD and I'm just like, okay, so what am I doing? I just watched all that. I don't get it. Yeah. So I know you, you do kind of the free instructional stuff on YouTube. Do you have any thoughts, ideas for coming out with your own kind of instructional series? Yeah, I actually just got my contract for BJJ Fanatics, which is also fucking insane. That's so, awesome. Yeah, I'm going to do a DVD with them. I just got to get it all, like, figured out because I still can't go down to the States because the Canadian rules, like, if I come back here, I have to do 14 days in quarantine, and I, I can't afford to do that, like, especially after I just got my back surgery. So we're going to film it here with my students, and uh, I got to find a camera crew to do it. That's pretty so, awesome. Yeah, pretty. Like, that's fucking crazy. So clearly, it's a huge honor for you. It's a huge honor for me. <laughs> All right. So I have a question about one of your instructionals. So I remember watching the video, but kind of like you, I have a bit of a short attention span. If you just say, all right, grab his wrist like that. And in, instead yeah. of like that, all right, that makes sense. But if you go to this long thing, I have issues. But you do a, like a weird Ezekiel where like I've always been talking basically like stick like as much as your hand basically as you can into the sleeve, like almost to the thumb and then yeah. the cross, but you do something different. I hate that. I can't fucking do that. See, it's, I don't know why, but when I started, 
I couldn't grab this. I'm doing it on my hoodie. I couldn't grab the sleeve with all four fingers and make an Ezekiel work. I just couldn't. But if I put my thumb in, I could make the Ezekiel work just fine. And um, after a few times of hurting my thumb, I don't remember who showed me, but they said, like, stick your thumb in, fold it down, and then wrap your hands over your thumb. So that's what I started doing. I'd put my thumb in, fold my thumb and the gi down, and then cover it over. So my hand reinforces the gi inside my thumb. And then the gi material isn't pulling on my thumb. It starts pulling on these two fingers because it's all like locked in place. And then someone recently just told me that's what CrossFitters do with something. I don't know. I don't CrossFit either. But um, yeah, so I, I haven't hurt my thumb in fuck years. But uh, yeah, I only use my thumb for Ezekiel's and I get fuck tons of Ezekiel's. All right. So I appreciate that because I fucked up and didn't pay attention to what you were doing. And, you know, like when you instead of like rolling your hand in the gi to get a grip, sometimes you just kind of grab some like that. So yeah. I tried it like that several times. I was like, wait a minute, this shit doesn't work. What the fuck is he talking about? But the <laughs> that shit don't side. work Wednesday, baby. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, you know, lots of people that, you know, watch what you do or watch their professors are like, I want to get into, I want to do jujitsu stuff full time. I don't know if it's open a school or, uh, you know, start a channel. What, what do you, what do you have as far as some of the realities of doing what you do? Not oh, like, you know, everybody sees the cool side. Like we were just talking about, like Craig Jones has messaged you, right? Like, yeah. like you talked to Gordon Ryan, but like, what are some of the other sides of, of running a jujitsu business or a couple jujitsu businesses? Oh, dude, it's fucking hard, man. Like, um, I have to make sure that this place is clean because like staff and fucking all that other bullshit. So that's one thing, little dumb things. Like it's really easy for clicks and shit to happen in clubs and you really have to fucking kill that, like burn that with fire. I don't even allow inside jokes at my club. Cause if there's an inside joke, someone feels like they're on the outside, you know, paying the power bill, paying the rent, making sure that you have a decent location getting ads out to get new students in because retention rates, they're just a bitch, man. It doesn't matter what town you're in. There's always going to be that sport that that town has. Like here it's hockey. Like a lot of our kids, especially they have to quit every winter because their parents have them in hockey. Right. So retention is tough everywhere and it doesn't make you a good or bad teacher. It's just fucking retention is tough, man. Sometimes kids or adults will come in, they'll get fucking destroyed one day or they won't realize that they're getting good at the same rate as their partners. And then when they lose a match, they get super disheartened and quit. Like, I don't know all the reasons people quit, but there is a fuck ton. So you have to constantly get new students in. And then you're not going to make a ton of money unless you have a packed school charging a good amount. And that's another issue. Some clubs, like Taekwondo clubs, might charge 30 or $40 a month. So when a parent comes in and they're like, well, why are you charging 150? You have to be good at, you know, explaining that to people. So is it all glamorous? No. Like when I started a club, I thought I was doing it just to roll all the time. And then now I have to do everything. I have to get all the students in. I have to make sure that the place is clean, make sure the place is running. Um, selling gear was a weird byproduct. Like I didn't mean to start Supernatural Survival Gear. I just wanted quality gear for my club. And then people on Instagram started asking me to buy it. So it was a happy accident, but like I make more money selling the gear than I do with the club. But then when people message me, they're like, how can I start a gear company? I'm like, well, you got to get like fucking 
20,000 followers at least, or nobody's going to buy your gear. Or you have to have a pile of money so you can do like Facebook ads with a good quality product. I mean, there's no easy way to say just jump in and live the jujitsu life because there was a few times where even I thought it would be easier to get a nine to five job. So, I mean, like, I hope that isn't too depressing for anybody, but realistically, it's, it's not for everyone. No, but right, you, you're proof that, you know, if you bust your ass and you keep, you know, getting after it and keep pushing and yeah, keep pushing, man. you can eventually pull through. So let me ask you this. You, you mentioned, right, getting to 20,000 followers, like that definitely kind of helped the cause, like with Supernatural Survivor yeah. gear. Yeah. So, you know, kind of getting up to that level, what do you have for growing, whether it's Instagram, YouTube, whatever, growing your following? Post free content, man. Give shit away. Give shit to people. I, I never asked for anything in return for the longest time. So then when I started selling gear and I started saying, buy my shit, it's not like you have to because there's no fucking paywall for me. You still watch all my videos. You can still message me. I'll message you back. Well, we can still have a conversation even if you never buy anything from me. But a lot of people at this point, they want to buy my gear because they feel like that's their way of giving back to me. So uh, like people tell you all the time, like the best way to get stuff is just by giving just put stuff out there and i thought that was absolute bullshit but in my case the more videos i gave the more followers i got the more people wanted to buy my gear give 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 so you mentioned gary v earlier i'm assuming you you follow him and you're kind you're basically following his sort of model that's because that's definitely yeah. what he does it works for me man Awesome. So, you know, you have the gear, you have your, your school, you have an instructional coming out, not with yep. Bernardo, but it's still on BJJ Fanatics, which is awesome. I'm fucking like, I'm super pissed. Corona fucked that on me. Cause if this instructional sucks, I'll never get invited down for a second. And I just <laughs> wanted to be there and have him say, Kent, it's a huge honor for me to have you here. And I like my fucking heart. Maybe you can still get him to at least like shoot a video and then you can like crop it in. So like he's next oh, to you and he's, or like, dude. that's the intro, right? I like that idea. There we go. Yeah. All right. So other than that, you know, what's on the horizon? What's coming next for you? I'm just going to keep putting out free shit. Hope everybody likes it. Um, I am going to try to organize like, um, like courses. Like a lot of people ask me and, and the only reason that I might, set this up as a pay thing i'll keep putting free stuff out but i might like have a kentpetersbjj.com where you can go on and see things in the proper order do you know what i mean so like Instead all my of videos like, are yeah because they like one day you do an ezekiel the next day you're doing yeah. like a rolling knee bar or something yeah and honestly like the only reason i would even consider setting that up as like a course thing is because the amount of time it would take me to get all those techniques and put them in fucking order it's money, right? Like it's going to take up my time and I'm already too fucking busy. Like between the kids and the horses and the two businesses, like, well, you know how hard it was for me to even make time for this. Like I'm, I'm fucked. Right. So that's, that is something that I am looking at. And a lot of people, they're asking me that they're like, you know, what order should I do these mount attacks in? What order should I do these leg locks in? What order should I get this guard passing stuff down? So that's something that I'm, I'm looking at. But even that, like, I'm having trouble finding time to do it. All right. So probably coming soon, right, is more of a instructional setup where it's yeah. uh, you don't just bounce from mount to, you know, quarter guard back to back control. Like, it's all kind of sequential and right, 
go from here to there. So that's, that's coming soon. So if people want to check you out, as you said, right, you pump out tons of free content. It is really yep. good stuff. You should, where should they connect with you? Follow you? Uh, on Instagram. It's that the Kent Peters. I almost said it wrong. Fuck. I'm an idiot. The Kent Peters on Instagram <laughs> and supernatural survival gear on Instagram. And yeah, message me, man. I, I always message people back um, unless you get creepy and shit. And then I'll only message you back late on weekends. <laughs> and he, he's totally honest about that like i told i did message him completely out of the blue and he got back to me and and so he's a he definitely does get back to you if you're if you're like i don't know which kent peters this is if you see a guy where it looks like he's not wearing any pants because it's blurred out right that's the, uh, that's the right kent peters yes bye. cool well i definitely uh want to thank you again for uh, taking some time with me i really appreciate it man